Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross and Brian Haydad, and the return of Michael Borky. No extended injury list, no uh, IR, injured reserve, no 15-day disabled list. One day out and back despite an injury. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601 879 4395 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. 601-879-4395. That's the number if you would like to be a part of the conversation this afternoon. we got a bunch to get to including a conversation with Bill Bender from Sporting News. We'll talk with him about what's happening all over college football, but specifically in Big Ten country, which is where he resides in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, And also Rob Fisher from the Memphis Grizzlies television network as the NBA season begins tomorrow. We have finally made it. Tomorrow, July 30th, will be the first day of the resumed NBA season. Brian, hey, Dad, you got a haircut. So it appears. I had a haircut yesterday. Oh, just didn't notice. I had a hat on. So. Lighting must be. Oh, that must have been it. Yeah. That must have been it. What's up, man? But you could. I mean, the beard should have given it away, though. Yeah, fair enough. Whatever. Anyway, uh, oh, life is good. Good. Yeah. Borky? Been better. What's a little smirk for, bud? I've been better. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit, but, you know, I, I play through the pain. I'm a man. I'm a champion. That's what we do. Apparently, you also play through the trash cans when they are sitting on the sidewalk. See, that's the thing here. I, I've spent the last uh, – so it happened early yesterday morning, so over 24 hours now. Um, just mad. Not Like, I'm hurt, whatever. It hurts. It really does hurt like crazy. Just throbbing right now inside of this cast and – it's swelling inside of a cast, and the cast won't let it go anywhere, so it's just nothing but pressure. It's, it stinks. And my toes now look like Vienna sausages, man. Like They're all, they're all swollen, too. They're sticking out of the cast. It's, it's awful. That is not attractive. I am glad that you are married already. Yeah, seriously. Um, but I'm just mad at my like just how stupid that is. And so now, for at least a few days, i got to go back on Friday. Hopefully they're taking the cast off and like giving me something that maybe I can start, like, walking on or putting pressure on because right now the cast is non-weight-bearing. I can't put put my foot down at all. And so because I'm stupid and cannot navigate around a trash can with my dog on a leash without stepping on a curb funny and rolling over it and screwing everything up, now I can't really play with my kid and 
getting around the house everywhere is just a pain in the butt. And so I've been nothing, I've just been mad. Not even pain, whatever. I'm just annoyed at myself because I've taken the ability to do basic things away from me for my own stupidity for a little while. I think the lesson here is quite obvious. Never exercise. It, it never exercise. Don't do it because I've done it every day and this is the second time in a year where I've been sidelined for the last one was a short period of time. That was a small deal. This is bad. I mean, the the doctor I saw yesterday said, I mean, we're weeks, weeks out from you being back to normal, like exercising and stuff again. All right, so the specific injury is what? So everything is back in place, and so now it's a high ankle and a lateral sprain, so a sprain in two different places. They didn't see any breaks, which is great. I've got to get another scan on Friday when the swelling goes down to be sure. But there was nothing snapped in half, which okay. is good. I mean, but, it was, but, but your ankle was dislocated. And back in place. Did they pop it back into place? No, or did it, you? it happened on it. Yeah, it went out and in. And boy, that is something. So when did it go back in? Yeah, uh, two minutes after. And it did that on its own, or did you, like, manipulate it? So I would like to say I was tough, and I was like, ah, screw it, pop it back in. But no, I, like, I sat down on the curb, and it was all, like, sideways. And I just, like, just tried to see if I could move it. And when I did, it just, like, you know what I mean? Pop back in place. Basically, like, it retracted itself. Like, Did you uh, scream? Oh, yeah. But not, like, it was more just like, oh, like that. And uh, there was a guy doing yard work. Um, not like a neighbor of mine, not the homeowner, but a guy that they paid to do yard work that mm-hmm. was laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> no sympathy. No, and, and I don't have sympathy for myself. I'm just an idiot, but man. Uh, good news is that your coworkers laughed at you too. We laughed all yesterday. All yeah. the listeners were I laughing. It was, it, was, it, was just, it was just everywhere. So Yeah, no, I heard. Yeah, he went I back and listened, and he texted me this morning. He's like, "Wow, you guys had fun with me yesterday." Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I we promise, did. If you guys, if you guys could have seen me trip and fall at Diddy Noble earlier this year, the laughter would have been nonstop. So you know, it happens. I still can't believe though. I mean, two people. The alligator story, Richard, is five years old. I know. How about that? And so I, I didn't step on an alligator. The story is, hey, Dad, you, you probably, uh, you know, I got I got enough of the uh, the story. Yeah. That, it, you were checking a girl out. No. And... No. I'll tell it again. Why not? So I lived in an apartment complex here my first two years that I lived here. And this is long before I met my wife, in case she's listening. Um, and there was a pond, big pond, at the front of the apartment complex that had an alligator in it. Uh, five foot long, probably. Not big, but not small. And it was a pretty good fishing pond. And so... I'm fishing, just walking along the bank, and the bank has real tall grass that that surrounds the entire thing. So there's a pretty clear buffer between shoreline, or or like the the water, and where you can stand to fish. And I'm fishing, I'm walking along the bank, and the alligator pops up out of the grass. And I don't think he was attacking me, though, because after he popped up out of the grass, he looked at me and froze for a second and then went right back into the water. So I think he was just like coming up to shore and then I was standing within two feet of where he came out and I jumped back and fell and I looked behind me and there's... Didn't hurt his ankle, mind you. Didn't hurt my ankle. I I survived this one. 
And the road behind me it was the exit to our apartment complex. And there was a girl that lived in the apartment complex that I never spoke to, but you know, I, I admired from afar, was driving <laughs> by and and saw the event happen, and we never spoke after that. Did she see the alligator, or did she just see you fall? See, I, I probably just saw me fall, because it was a pretty probably steep so. bank, and the road was you know, 10, 15 feet from where the, the bank began. So there's probably no chance she saw the actual uh, alligator. So you could have got a sympathy date out of that if you, she had seen the alligator. Potentially. And things worked just out. Just falling down, they're not, uh, they're not, they're not going to go for that. Yeah. Things, as they tend to do, worked out in my favor in the end. But still, that was, that was one of my least finer moments. As I told you, the C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. This seems like it would be a reasonably good time for you to submit new nickname options for Michael Borky. We had a couple of people yesterday uh, suggest that we should start calling you Ankles going forward. Uh, There was uh, another one uh, that came in just a bit ago. Uh, I missed it. I'll, I'll have to go back and find it a second ago. Uh, Larry and Jackson says, that sucks, man. Seems like ankles never get 100% right. So that's good news, Borky. Your ankles will never be right. Yeah, well, I'm obviously not right in the head either. I Derek in Greenwood says, you can stop now. That is too much cringeworthy speak. Fair enough. Uh, Kyle in Indianola says, when you lose your leg and it means crutches, you also lose both hands. So you're that's really true. limited in what you can do. Walter wants to know if your dog is okay. Yeah, he's fine. Um, he got scared there for a second because I yelled when I hit the ground. And uh, so he he's not hurt, but he got scared for a minute. Otherwise, all good, which uh, I was worried, man. Because after I I tripped over the curb, I fell and rolled a good bit. And he's okay, though. Uh, King Biscuit wants to know if you had to call your wife to come and get you out of the gutter. I did have to call her, though, to pick me up. I started trying to walk home, and there was no possible way. I mean, I was a couple miles away from the house, and so she had to come get me. Humble brag on running distance. Um, did you know Michael Jordan never missed a single career game due to injury? That's fact. not true. It's not fact. Uh, Jeff says that, uh, I guess he's talking about Borky, he says you are one tough son of a gun. Yeah. Uh Let's see. Are there any others that I missed? I like I like Ken and Ridgeland's uh, suggestion. We'll just call you Trip. <laughs> <laughs> Trip Borky. Then you aren't, aren't you Junior? Aren't you Junior? I mean, you're close to being a Trip. Um, I'm not Junior. I'm close, but I'm not Junior. My kid is the second. Okay. Well. We'll make it work. Yeah, Dad's James Richard. I'm James Michael. Kids, James Richard. Mike in Oxford suggests that uh, sometimes a break is better than a sprain and has a faster recovery time. Michael Borky running on the sidewalk yesterday. There was a trash can in his way, and so he decided to avoid it. And as a result, dislocated his ankle because he forgot there was a curb there. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalktv.com. If you want to watch the stream, you can do so. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. On this Wednesday, we are on the eve 
of the restart of the NBA season. I know for some people, NBA, not really your thing. For others, you absolutely love it. And then there's probably a big cross-section that's like, well, NBA is not necessarily my thing. I don't hate it. It is live sports on television, and they're going to play a bunch of games in a relatively short amount of time, and so I will watch. It is set to begin tomorrow. Borky, I know you're excited to watch the Pelicans and Zion. Hey, Dad, I know you're excited to watch the Lakers try and chase an NBA title. Um, how, how fired up are you guys at this point? Can't believe you left out. I'm not excited to to watch the Pelicans chase a title. They have some distant odds, but they can do it. Come on, board. <laughs> no, I'm excited to to see him play. I mean, he looks to be in really, really good shape. Uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings. When he was out of the bubble for a family emergency, he said today that he didn't touch a basketball. Uh, there, whatever it was, was pressing enough to where he couldn't uh, slip away to go to the gym. Um, so. We'll see how much he can play tomorrow, but apparently he's just in immaculate shape. So we'll see. I mean, just a young team like that with a bunch of 20-somethings on it, uh, very little postseason experience to get that, even though it would be you know, five games with the Lakers in the first round before they get bounced, to have that experience for a young team would be huge. So I hope they can find a way to pull it off, and, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see it happen. I'm very excited. You know, like I said, I think the Lakers are the favorite to win this championship. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see them do it. You know, finally tie the Boston Celtics for for the most in uh, league history. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's if nothing else, I'm excited because it's sports. It's just put another sport on television. Let's go. Yeah, soccer ends for me on basically on Sunday. I got to ask someone else to, to take its place. The NBA's bubble experiment seems to be holding together after just two players initially tested positive for COVID-19 when they initially arrived at Disney World. The league said that on July 20th, after the second round of daily testing, zero players returned positive results. And since July 20th, of the 344 players tested for COVID-19, there have been zero confirmed positive tests. So... That piece has been good, and it seems to be working. And you've had a bunch of exhibition games to kind of get teams ready for the restart. Do you anticipate that it will be kind of pick up where you left off in terms of the way teams were playing, or is this little run of eight games before we start the playoffs going to be important to kind of get back up to speed? It'll depend on the team, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, for the Lakers, it's it's – it's almost exhibitions. Like they just they just need to play well, not get anybody hurt. The real season starts for them in eight games. For the Pelicans, these eight games mean everything. They they need they need to win some of them. They need to win most of them to have a shot to get in. So, yeah, it, it just depends on the team. Earlier this week, Commissioner Adam Silver told the New York Times that he was cautiously optimistic regarding the current safety of the bubble and the possibility of the NBA being able to finish out the season. His quote was this. From my standpoint, it's going very well, and I'm cautiously optimistic that we're on the right track, but I also recognize what we're doing has not been done before, and the competition is just beginning. The real test will come when players are commingling, playing basketball without masks and without physical distancing. So it's been so far so good, but players are going to be allowed to have family inside the bubble, 
and that starts what after this eight game stretch and before they when they go into the playoff. Piece? It's when teams start going away. So once the I believe it's once the playoffs begin as they will start that process of welcoming families in. So the the fewer teams are there, the more families they will be allowed to bring in. I don't think they're willing and able to increase the number of people inside the bubble. So it'll be same number, just replacing the teams that have gone with family, if I understand do we know it correctly. Anything, do we know anything about the testing protocols for the family members that the are entering the bubble? The same thing as the teams. Okay. So they will be tested daily, and they will have to follow all the same protocols as the players. It's going to be interesting to see. Feels like the NBA is probably in a pretty good place. Feels they're, like they're in it, yeah. or I should, I, maybe we should say it this way: they are in as good a place as they could possibly be at this point in the process. Yeah. So what can I, I guess the question is to to spin it back to college football is the bubble is clearly working in the NBA. I mean, they haven't started games yet, but they've been there for three weeks, and there has not been a single positive. And you've had guys leave the bubble and come back and have to sit in quarantine and get tested every day, still no positives. It's going very well so far. Is there anything that these traveling sports can learn from what the NBA's done? Can Major League Baseball alter some things? Can the NFL or college football upcoming learn anything from a different situation in Orlando? Never mind apples and oranges. I think when you're talking about college football as it compares to the NBA, you're talking about like apples and chainsaws. I mean, it's not even in it not even in the same, you know, one is they're, they're both food. They're both comprised of matter. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's about the only similarity. Buy them both at Walmart. <laughs> Look, I mean, th- there's no bubble scenario. That works for college football. It's just not going to. That's just not. It's not an option. Even if you you could you could make a bubble happen. If if, if the players were on board and they were like, look, we get it. There's a double standard, but we want to play. I mean, one college football team and staff is equal to what six, seven full NBA teams and their staff. I mean, where are you? That's not a bubble at that point. It's a planet. You know, where, where are you putting them? Never mind the rest of power, uh, the Power Five. Never mind all of college football. Just SEC teams only. Yeah. What would you just say? Player- M- minimum 150 people per team. Minimum. That's minimum. Yeah. I mean, that's if you really wanted to scale things back. You know, you got 85 scholarship players, probably another 20 or so walk-ons. So you're up over 100. Was it the you number know. for the NFL, yeah. which has half the roster size? Wasn't it like 200 people that they have to get tested frequently to yeah. put on their operation? I mean, you got all the coaches. They're going to bring the analysts. They're going to bring their staff. They're going to bring you know training managers staff. and trainers. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, one hotel would might fit one you know one team. You'd have to have fourteen full hotels. I mean, it's just, it's just, and that's just the SEC. I, I haven't gotten anybody else. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's untenable. I mean, I look up at the screen right now. Paul Feinbaum shows on, and and they've got somebody from AL.com, Joseph Goodman, who's a columnist there. And the the like the lead, if you will, at the bottom of the screen says the billion dollar question: How can there be football without a bubble? Well, there's not going to be a bubble, but we are planning on college football. So what are you going to do? You're going to test players. You're going to ask them to do what's right. 
you're going to have to hold them accountable, which is what Kevin Sumlin has done at the University of Arizona. Arizona has suspended a player from its football team, and they immediately took away his meal privileges and meal stipend and whatnot. And Kevin Sumlin said, look, if you're going to be a part of this, you've got to follow the protocols. And so COVID-19 protocols are now part of team rules. And so if you have some non-negotiables in terms of, of your team rules, um, you know, what was it? Was it Herm Edwards who said, we, we really We've got only some, uh, have... some breaking news here, Richard. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the ACC has announced their college football schedule with a okay. model for it. All right. So we'll we get will... into that. Wow. Yeah, we'll, we'll not try to unpack that in two minutes. We'll do that when we no. come back. But, um, you know, I mean, co- different coaches have different sets of rules. I mean, if you get arrested, you get suspended. If, you know, you are disrespectful to females, you're kicked off the team. If you get caught with a gun, you are, you know, permanently banned from the program. I'm just throwing random things out there. There's a new set of rules. If if we find you stepping outside of protocol, you're going to be suspended from this team because you're not just putting yourself at risk. You're putting the entire team the entire, in the words of Nick Saban, organization in peril because you decided you wanted to go to a party or you decided to go to a club or you just absolutely said, I'm not wearing a mask. And so those are personal decisions. You can make the decisions, but there are consequences for the decisions. And I think Arizona is the first team that we've seen suspend a a player for not following protocol But I think you'll probably see more of that. Different coaches will handle it different ways. Maybe different guys have different sets of rules. (coughs) You know, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma doesn't follow the rules. Maybe he's not treated the exact same way as a backup left guard because they think they've got another Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. But there's also a higher expectation for a guy like Spencer Rattler, and I'm just using that as a random name, you know, a high-profile guy. There is an expectation when you're the quarterback on a team to be a leader. You got to be better than everybody else. You, you got to do things at a higher level than everybody else. So we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will unpack the ACC news when we come back. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad on this Wednesday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Are we moving closer to the start of a college football season? Maybe. Maybe. Look, man, I realize, we all realize, right? you got to realize this thing could completely go off the rails. Tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now. But the fact that we're getting some semi, not even fair to say concrete. I mean, it's like sandy, like scratched in sand plans. But at least plans that have a lot of thought behind them, and there's some actual structure, uh... Yes, please. And that's what we just got from the ACC. We know the Big Ten is playing a conference-only schedule. We know the Pac-12 is playing a conference-only schedule. We're waiting to hear what the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC have planned. And now we know what the ACC has planned. Here it is. They do put the caveat in there that There is an uncertain and challenging environment, and it's changing. With that in mind, the ACC Board of Directors announced that if public health guidance allows, 
All seven ACC-sponsored fall sports will begin competition during the week of September 7th through the 12th. That is the week following Labor Day weekend. The announcement follows several months of discussion and scenario planning among the league membership and medical advisory group. Each decision is based on the best available medical guidelines and coincides with the university's academic missions. And the ACC has agreed to go with a scheduling model that includes 11 games, 10 conference games, and one non-conference game. All non-conference game opponents selected by the respective school must be played in the home state, not home stadium, but home state of the ACC institution, and all non-conference opponents must meet the medical protocol requirements as agreed upon by the ACC. The 11 games will be played over at least 13 weeks, with each team having two open dates. There will be one division. No uh, Atlantic and Coastal, just one division. And the two teams with the best overall winning percentage will meet on either September, uh, December 12th or December 19th in the ACC championship game. All television revenue for the 2020 season, including Notre Dame's home games broadcast Ooh. by NBC will be shared equally by all 15 institutions. That's big. Championship game will be in Charlotte. All 15 teams will continue to be part of the ACC's bowl selection process. Should Notre Dame win the ACC championship game, they would be eligible for the Orange Bowl if not selected as a college football playoff semifinal team. The week-by-week schedule and television selections will be released later. There's a lot of stuff about their fall Olympic sports as well, but we're just going to set that aside for now because some of you may care about the fall sports and the Olympic sports, but you probably don't care about the ACC's fall sports and Olympic sports. So we'll set that aside for right now. Then you look at the schedule. And now there's a lot of whatever because we don't have dates yet. We don't know when these games are going to be played. I was intrigued to look and see what they had set up for Notre Dame. Remember, Notre Dame was going to play six conference games, but now they're playing ten games against ACC opponents. Notre Dame's home schedule? Not too bad. These are alphabetical, okay? They're not in any particular order. This doesn't mean this is how they're going to open the season. Notre Dame will host Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Louisville, and Syracuse. Which is pretty darn cool. And they will go to Boston College, they'll go to Georgia Tech, to North Carolina, to Pittsburgh, and to Wake Forest. Now, I mean, in terms of home field advantage, I mean, if you're a fan of one of those schools that has not previously made the trip to Notre Dame, you're like, seriously, this is the year we're going to Notre Dame, and I'm not going to get to go watch it in person? That was the once-in-a-lifetime trip? This is the year? Or this is the year we get to host Notre Dame in our stadium? And there's a good chance that I'm not going to be one of the 15, 20, 25% that will get to watch it. There's at this point nothing in the release, at least that I've seen. You guys may have read it more carefully or may I may have just missed it. There's nothing at this point 
in terms of information about fans and who's going to be allowed to go watch no. these games. Nothing of that, that nature. Varies okay. by state for sure. Yeah. Uh, Clemson, the favorite to win the league, will host Boston College, Miami, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and Virginia. They will go to Florida State, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. In a regular year, that would be a brutal road schedule. Yeah, it would. It would. Uh, anybody else you're really interested in? Yeah. Phil, the, the, the fighting Phil Longos at North Carolina? I could be wrong. Well, not, not that I'm interested in Longo or anything, but I think all of the uh, the ACC-SEC rivalry games were all at ACC teams this year. I'm, I'm, I'm double-checking. Clemson was for South Carolina, Florida. Well, but they're Florida in State. the same state regardless. But it says it has to be in the home stadium, right? No, it, says, it, says it, it, does, it says it's the home state, not the home stadium. Must be played in. Okay, okay. Well, then there you go. Then yeah, never mind. So, Saves yeah, everything so, okay. but Auburn, North Carolina. Yeah, and Georgia, Virginia. Oh, yeah, forgot that, about that, that as well. Yes, that's probably off. Arkansas, Notre Dame could happen now. It could. However, this tweet from Ross Dellinger. Uh-huh. potentially throws a bit of a monkey wrench in that. Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated tweeting just a moment ago, 10 minutes ago, the SEC is moving closer to a conference-only 10-game schedule, sources tell SI now. ADs agreed on the matter Wednesday, and presidents are expected to meet Thursday, though they may delay a decision until next week. This is a fluid situation which means you would not get Florida-Florida State. You would not get South Carolina-Clemson. You would not get Georgia-Georgia Tech. And you would not get Louisville-Kentucky. And you would not get Mississippi State-North Carolina State, which is what I was going to be looking at. If Sure. If they agreed to the matter today, do you think that means they didn't know that this was going to be the ACC's decision? So are we, are we back to this where these conferences are, that are in contact with each other every day are just pulling up and doing what they want to do and not telling anybody? No, I mean, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think there, there's been communication back and forth. And look, those meetings may have been happening at the same time. Like we were kind of led to believe yesterday, and I was trying to kind of paint with broad strokes here, that these conferences kind of working in concert, we didn't really think we were going to get this announcement from the ACC today, and then we got it. I do think if you were paying close attention yesterday when we visited with Keith Carter, hey, Dad, we talked about this after the fact as we were kind of deciphering things. You know, he, he mentioned... An eight-game schedule possibility, a ten-game schedule. He, after saying yes, our preference is to play the full twelve-game season. But as we get closer and closer to the start, that feels a little less likely. I think there's a lot of emphasis on being able to control your own protocols within your league, even though uh, comparable leagues, colleagues, if you will, will may have almost the exact same protocol. They're still not part of your conference. And so you have less control. Even if they're doing things the same way that you think you're doing things, you have less control when they're not part of your conference. And so if you were listening closely yesterday and you were kind of reading between the lines, you may have not been surprised by what Ross Dellinger tweeted, that we could be headed toward a 10-game SEC schedule. 
And if you paid attention really closely, you might have heard me say it could be a 10-game schedule that would likely start mid to late September. I'm that this is partial guess and partial educated opinion. I think September nineteenth is the day you circle on the calendar. Now the ACC says they're going to start. They'll play their first games on September twelfth. Their their fall competition is going to begin between the seventh and twelfth. So that means the twelfth is going to be their first Saturday. I think you're going to see the SEC push back one week later than that. And it's going to, which would make sense, by the way, and would kind of line up with what the ACC is doing if it's only a 10 game schedule, because the ACC is going to start a week earlier, but they're going to try to play 11 games with two built in open dates. And they also gave themselves some wiggle room by saying the championship game would be on either December 12th or December 19th which says to you they're giving themselves the opportunity to add a week to the back of the season if they need to to make up a game or games. So again, if this report from Ross Dellinger is accurate, and I have no reason to believe it is not, he's pretty plugged in, like maybe as plugged in as anybody that covers college football, certainly in the SEC. I think you're probably looking at a September 19th start date with 10 SEC games. Jeez, that sounds good. Throw you out an idea when we come back. Hey, Dad, do you remember yesterday if I asked you, well, do you think Mississippi State and Ole Miss will still play each other on Thanksgiving night? Uh, I do remember being asked that, yes. And your response was? I thought so. What if I told you maybe the opposite end of the schedule? What, first? Ooh. Would that elevate things around here for the next six weeks? We have a lot of work to do at that point. It completely ruined my opponent preview series. God. Times are, uh, it's a fluid situation. Hey, Dad, you'll just have to deal with it. That's what they say. You can do an entire Thunder and Lightning podcast complaining about the fact that this completely ruined your opponent preview series. I might. I might do that. Have you gotten to NC State yet? No, no, no. They would be uh, like four weeks away. Might save you a little work anyway. Yeah. Uh, What would you think about that just for the fun of it? It'd be really weird, wouldn't it? You know, you look you look forward to the Egg Bowl all football season long, and you just get it out of the way. Like whoever loses that game, it's gonna take a, I, I would not like them the next week. Whoever they played, I'll put it that way. Um, I mean, the Holy War happens in week one. Well, I mean, yeah, but when you plan for that, sure, it's one thing. But when you don't, when it's just thrown on you like that, it's, it's different. You, you are too time. much of a planner. That that has become abundantly clear to me. Like, I don't, I don't you, you can't playing. cook something on the grill on Saturday night if you didn't start thinking about it on Wednesday or Thursday. Like, you have to plan. Yeah, I like the plan. You, you have been worried about, well, Proper when are we going to let people know prevents... when these games are? So so they can, yeah. you know, buy a gas card in advance so they can be sure to be able to stop by and fill up their tank before they hit the road in a month and a half. Proper preparation prevents something poor performance. Yeah. Sometimes. 
Sometimes you just need to be able to go with the flow. Sometimes you just need to be able to go with the flow. I don't know. I mean, what, what what would be the rationale, though, for moving that game from end of the year to beginning of the year? I don't know what the rationale would be. I mean, it doesn't... Yeah. It would, I mean, it's simple. Travel, I, think, I guess. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think that's for week one, maybe even for the first two or three weeks, you play opponents that are close to you. So That doesn't work for everybody. I mean, so Texas State A&M, play, bummer. State would play what? Ole Miss, Alabama... I don't know who the third closest would be. Auburn or LSU? Unless they, if they're talking about doing 10 conference games and they're going to add somebody, I think Vanderbilt would be closer oh, yeah. than Auburn. I think the other thing that we're going to get out of this is the current schedule, kind of like happened in the ACC, is just going to be thrown out the window. A blow up and start over? I mean, eliminating divisions even? Well, it, that's, that's Which, exactly what the ACC real- did. Real quick, saying there's one division, that's not that's not a division at that point. It's just a conference. <laughs> there is a league. We have a conference. We it's have called the conference. ACC. Yeah. Well, Missouri. The division implies that there's more than one. That there was a split of at least one. Yes. 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 Um, let's see. Welcome to the West, Missouri. Enjoy your trip to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Mike yeah, in Oxford well, says, hey, Dad would have to plan a couple of weeks in advance if he intended to barbecue. <laughs> I plan, I, I get about five, six days. I, I know what I'm doing next weekend, I, and I know what I'm doing this weekend, too, but I got next weekend already think, already on the on the brain. So you said that, that Egg Bowl week one, is that just something that you came up with, or is that just kind of floating out there, this idea, or where is that coming from? Um, maybe a little of both. Just a little chatter. Some conversations that I've had that some people who go, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen early in the year as opposed to late in the year. Do you know how much better in a normal year our off-season content and shows would be if the Egg Bowl started the season as opposed to ended it? Oh, man, it would be so much fun. The We would get two full months of summer content that people cared about. Hey, because let's, let's play this out for a Bowl. second. Let, let, let's play this out just for a second. Let's just pretend that the SEC decides that for the opening week game, so September 19th across the SEC, and by the way, I'm taking a bunch of liberties here, but – just deal with it. I, I'm not reporting anything as fact. I don't think it would be a complete surprise for some of this to happen, but, I mean, let's take some liberty here. Let's say that September 19th, opening weekend, the SEC decides to do geographically close games, which would, generally speaking, mean rivalry games. What if in week one... September 19th of a 10-game all-conference schedule, you had Florida, Georgia, Kentucky against South Carolina, Missouri against Arkansas, Tennessee against Vanderbilt, Alabama against Auburn, LSU against Texas A&M, and Ole Miss against Mississippi State. Giddy up. Greatest week one ever. In the history of college football. Hey, Dad, I know you hate it. I can see it dripping from every pore on your body. I don't like it at all. 
But do you know how much fun it would be between now and September 19th? Be fun. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. He is not in the bubble, but he is closely watching the bubble. Rob Fisher, sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies Television Network on Fox Sports South. Is it Christmas Eve for you, Rob? Uh, kind of. Uh, I guess virtual Christmas Eve, although we haven't had that yet, but we might find out what that's like this year. No, it's exciting, man. I'm excited to see games, and I'm excited that we start on Friday so we can kind of see it play out tomorrow night, uh, how it's going to. You know, it's been good to see these first three scrimmages that the Grizzlies had to kind of get an idea of how it's going to look and um, but things are going to look a little different on Friday, more virtual fans and things like that. So I think the look has looked great so far, but I'm excited to get to games and games that actually matter. It's, it's going to be fun. You know, there, there, there have been reports that the NBA is spending like $150 million on doing this. And, you know, you understand it's a really expensive proposition. One of the things they've spent a lot of money on is video boards. And yeah. I, I'm not sure what you think, but and I know the virtual fan thing is coming it's a pretty cool look. I mean, yes, you would rather be in an arena with 18,000 fans in there, especially making a playoff push and getting that home court advantage. But given what they're dealing with, it's a pretty cool-looking setup, isn't it? I think so. I, I think they did a great job and knocked it out of the park. It reminds me a lot of a Super Bowl. You know, you show up in a city and they turn a ballroom into making it look like an event for the yeah. teams that are there. And I, and I think that's what the NBA has done. It, it, it has the look of an event. And, and I think that's great, you know, not having fans and, and having the unusual circumstances and the atmosphere that we're going to have. You know, you had to, make it, had to make it attractive, and I think the NBA's done that. I, I think it looks like an event, which is cool, and, and I think the videos that they have, they, they make it look like, you know, this is the NBA's, for lack of a better term, bubble. And, and and that's what it looks like. I think it looks great. I'm I'm excited to see it because it also has that small gym feel, but yeah. with the best players in the world playing in that small gym, which I think is pretty cool. It, it's kind of like Battle for Atlantis on steroids with no fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is with with additional signage, which blows it up and makes it look bigger. Um, yeah, and, and imagine the Battle for Atlantis with the best players in the world. I mean, it it's bizarre to think of, but. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and you know what what uh, what what can players do to try and get that edge and that playoff edge and that playoff mentality and that sort of atmosphere? I think is going to be very intriguing. Yeah, the only thing we'll be missing is the local Bahamian high school band playing "We Will Rock You" <laughs> over and over and over for for three solid days. That, that's the only thing we'll be uh, missing. Rob yeah. Fisher, Fox Sports, uh, covers the Memphis Grizzlies as the sideline reporter. I'm sure you've talked to some people inside the bubble. What's it been like for the last three weeks, kind of leading up to this? Are guys buying in? Are they pleased with kind of the accommodations and the setup and how it's gone after some of those initial complaints about food and whatnot? Yeah, I, I think everybody settled in. I, I think the NBA did a good job. And, you know, that's why when they announced they were coming back, it, they, they announced it so far in advance. And 
you know, a lot of people were upset that, well, why are they waiting a month and a half to start games? Well, I, I think for a lot of reasons, and because a lot of questions still needed to be answered, and how are you going to make the players comfortable? And I know we've talked about it in the past. You know, you might, you might look at guys as spoiled or, you know, rats, whatever you, you want to think. But, but you need to make them comfortable. They are the ticket. They are the they are who we're watching. They are the entertainment. They are the ones who earn the money that they make. And so you need to make them comfortable. And I think the NBA's done a great job of making guys comfortable. Guys are finding things to do, whether it's go out on the lake and fish or, or bowl or play cornhole or get to the pool or go golfing. I mean, whatever the case, there are a lot of options for these guys and and I think the NBA made it comfortable. The first couple of days were really hard because everybody had to quarantine in their own room, and you just got itchy to get out of your room. But then since then, I think, you know, guys are, you know, you're, you're with your friends. And, and you're, you know, the days are getting long. It's only been about three weeks now, and you still got like another four weeks at minimum to go. So I'm sure the days will start getting long. But once we start playing basketball games, you know, guys will get into that focus and guys will get into that, get into the games that, I think the comfort level will get more and more so as we go on. Rob, you make a really interesting point. And the the whole spoiled brats and, you know, they, they, they don't know what the common man deals with. I mean, if I travel for work, it, it's not like on a pauper's deal. But, I mean, you know, per diem is kind of whatever the government rate is. And, you know, the hotel is a decent place, but it's not a, a four-star or five-star hotel. The reality is these guys are used to traveling with a massive per diem and staying at the Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons or something comparable. And to ask anybody who's used to traveling in a particular style or a particular way to all of a sudden have to operate in a completely different fashion that's a tough ask, regardless of yeah. what your income level is. Yeah, and, and the meals, I mean, you know, you talk about five-star hotels, five-star meals a lot of times as well. And now those meals are a little different. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different norm, and it's, it's an uncomfortability. But, but like I said, I think the NBA did a great job of, of trying to make it as comfortable for these guys as they could. And, and they, were, they joked about the food for a couple of days, but that's gone away. Um, you know, and, and they've given them more options for food. So, you know, they, they, they continue to make it comfortable for these guys. And, you know, like I said, yeah, it, it, and you're right. It doesn't matter where you're from. When you make it abnormal, it's, it's tough to adjust. When you're used to something with your job and all of a sudden it's taken away, it can make it very difficult to adjust. But I think they've made it easy for these guys to adjust and they've made it comfortable for them. And, you know, I, they, they earn it. I mean, it's in their collective bargaining agreement. You know, they stay at five-star hotels, period. That, that's, that's in the collective bargaining agreement. They're staying at the luxury places, and they're getting the best accommodations. Well, now they're not getting those accommodations, but they're making the best of it, and I think the league's making the best of it as well. Rob Fisher from the Memphis Grizzlies television broadcast sideline reporter. Grizzlies' first game is coming up on Friday. So the basketball piece of this, logistics aside now for a second, What's Memphis got to do in your mind to make sure that they are there for the start of the playoffs? Well, I think their 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 starters played really well in the three scrimmages. Uh, not really concerned about that. Uh, lost Justice Winslow, but they haven't had Justice Winslow all season, so y- y- you know how to deal without him. 
Uh, they did lose Tyus Jones today. He's going to be out a week uh, to be reevaluated with knee soreness, which is a tough blow because depth is going to be so important for a team like the Grizzlies, uh, where you know you use ten guys, and, and those ten guys all need to perform for you to have success. Uh, so losing Tyus Jones is a tough one to back up point guard. But the good news is with the depth that they have, they do have guys that can handle the basketball. So they should have guys that can replace Tyus. You just miss him being out on the floor as a leader and, and a guy that can defend as well. So uh, they'll miss him, but they're going to need depth. They're going to need their bench to be better than they were in the scrimmages. They're going to need guys that can come off the bench and score the basketball for them. And if they get that, they're a young, spunky group, man, and I think you can you can list advantages and disadvantages for every team that are in this situation. Uh, you know, the Grizzlies, for example. Well, they were playing AAU ball two years ago, so they're used to this situation. That's an advantage. But then you also think, well, they're too young and they don't have that star marquee player, so they can't do it. But I think another advantage that the Grizzlies have is they, they have the depth, they're young, and, and how many times we've heard the term, Richard, in the past in sports, they might. They just don't know any better. They haven't yeah. been. You know, no, nobody's been in this situation, but they've never been in a playoff situation either. And they just, they've never lacked confidence. It's a team that's very confident. It's a team that's got great camaraderie. And because of that, I think they could come out and they could surprise some people. These eight games, I think they make the playoffs. I think they go in as the eight seed. They'll take on the Lakers. I don't expect them to beat the Lakers, but I think they might give the Lakers some problems and take the series a lot longer than the Lakers wanted to. No drama in the East. We know who the eight teams are. I know the Wizards are mathematically still alive, but let's be honest, they're not going to catch the Nets or the Magic. Different story in the no. West, with only six of the spots clinched so far. you got the Mavericks and the Grizzlies as the seven and the eight, but Portland is, what, three and a half back of Memphis. Uh, New right. Orleans is in the same spot. Sacramento's in the same spot. San Antonio's four back. Phoenix, mathematically, not much of a shot. Any of those teams below the Grizzlies that you really worry about catching them? Well, I think there are two. Uh, Portland, because they're healthy. And uh, so they got a couple of bigs that have been added to their lineup, so that helps them. Plus, when you've got a guy like Damian Lillard, a guy that can just take over a game, a guy yeah. who's capable of scoring 60, yeah, that, that, that scares you. Um, New Orleans, you know, they're young. They were playing well prior to the hiatus. They've had a few weeks to kind of work with a camp and – Get Zion acclimated as well while he was there. He did leave for a while, but he's back now with New Orleans. So, uh, you know, to get them acclimated a little bit more since he joined the team midseason, I think that helps them a little bit. They could be they could be pretty dangerous. The, the thing about New Orleans, it's been good. Their schedule is pretty easy here relative to the other teams, and yeah. they've been really good against the bad teams. I mean, all the teams that are from eight down in the West, they're eight and two against those teams. So. They've been good against bad teams and taking care of business. So they're a team to watch out for as well. But none of these teams have played 500 ball all season. I don't know why we'd expect them to be much better than that now. Great stuff, Rob. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Richard. Anytime, man. Oh, boy. Rob Manfred. Can't quit tripping over his own shoelaces. We'll get to that in just a second. Bill Bender from Sporting News will join us in about 15 minutes. I want to I want to get to this text on the Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. You want to be part of the conversation? You can do so. Ceasefire text line bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal: the best plan from one or two lines, forty five dollars each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Ceasefire.com.
So we were talking about the change for NBA players from what they are used to into what they are dealing with now. And we get this uh, text from JB. He says, oh, wow, still getting paid millions to play a game. Try working at Walmart or Wendy's. Obviously very different things, JB. But the point that I was making was this. If you travel for a living, let's just say you're a traveling salesman. You sell widgets for a living. And you have to either drive or fly or, or whatever, but there's there's travel costs associated with it. Your company has a policy. You get a per diem. You are allowed $11 for breakfast, $17 for lunch, and $26 for dinner. I just made those numbers up, but you know somewhere in that ballpark. And usually the way it works is you can claim all three if you're gone for a full day, and you can decide how you spend the money. And you are allowed to stay at Holiday Inn, Hampton Inn, or comparable hotels. So, you know, you're generally in the 120 to $150 a night hotel. And all of a sudden, your company says, we're having to make some changes. You will now be given $20 per diem per day. Make it work. And you will no longer be staying at the Holiday Inn or the Hampton Inn. You will only be staying at the Roadway Motel or the local equivalent. I hope Roadway is not an actual actual company. I just kind of made that up. It is. And instead of reimbursing you at the government rate for mileage, we're going to give you 15 cents a mile. That is a drastic change from what you are used to. Wait, Roadway Inn is an actual thing? Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, so the uh, the Roadhouse Motel. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Anyway, point being, whatever standard it is that you're used to, it's going to feel different. It's going to be different, and you're going to be a little bit frustrated. You may, you may adapt because you want a job and you're glad to have a job and you're thankful that you're able to provide for your family. But instead of being able to, as somebody points out, grab the continental breakfast at the Hampton Inn with the little omelet with cheese in it and maybe some pancakes or a waffle that you throw on the deal, you've now got a budget that will allow you to grab donuts and a soda out of the vending machine or run through and grab a 99-cent sausage biscuit. And you slept in a bed that may or may not have bed bugs. And there is a chance that there's still a mechanism where you can drop a quarter in the top of the bed frame and it'll shake you all night long. Nice. It's just a different standard. And as far as and the, the reality whole... is, NBA players are used to a $250 to $350 per day cash per diem. The way it works in the NBA, when those guys leave for a 10-day road trip, whatever the per diem is, it is multiplied by the number of days, and they are handed an envelope with the cash in it. So let's just say it's a $300 day per diem, and they go on a 10-day road trip. Each player is handed, each player and each staff member is handed an envelope with $3,000 cash in it. And as Rob pointed out, from a collective bargaining standpoint, they only stay at five-star hotels, so they will be staying at the Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons, or St. Regis, or something along the likes. 
Now, nobody, me or anybody else, is saying that staying at the Grand Floridian is a bad thing. That's, I think, Disney's now second highest rated hotel in the pecking order. Or that having to do carryout from Morton's is a bad thing. It's obviously a great way to live. It's just different than what those guys are normally used to, and it took a little while for everybody to adjust. That's the only point that I was making in all of that. I was not crying for the guys who still make millions of dollars to play a game. Well, that and... We've had a few texts. One, but Richard, you're smart enough to know we're in a pandemic right now. It's not normal times. That's right, and they're being asked to do a not normal thing. And they have the bargaining chip, as Rob said. I mean, they're the show. They're the stars. They're they're what's going to make all of this money. And so if you were a player, you're going to remove me from my family for months. You're going to make me live at Disney World, where I can't go do all the fun Disney World stuff. I'm confined to a space. I've got to get tested every day. I am tracked and monitored everywhere I go. If I'm going to do that, you're going to give me some stuff, too. It's called negotiation, and they've got some leverage because they have all the power because they're the product. And there's another text that says, imagine if they were working 12 hours to make 50 cents on the dollar like the people that make their shoes and clothes do. And yes, there are some very sad situations in clothing and shoe production, sure. But not everybody's seven foot tall and can dunk a basketball. They're, they're different. Their circumstances are different. Their lives are different because of what they can do. And so I don't expect to get paid the way they do or treated the way they do because they are far more valuable than I am. That's just kind of how life works. And so the people that have more value get treated differently than people who don't. I don't get to Look, stay at nice hotels because I can't shoot the three at seven foot tall and do crossovers and dunk a basketball. So I, I stay at motels. That, that's what I expect. King Biscuit says probably going to be hard to make anyone feel bad for the NBA players. Their standards are high, making it comparable for average Joe, uh, but it doesn't make it comparable for the average Joe you're talking about. I'm not trying to make anybody feel sorry. I don't the think only they are. Point I was say what? I don't think they are either. I don't think they care if people feel sorry for them. Yeah, and I mean out. Tim says, "Well, bless their little NBA crybaby multimillionaire hearts." They're not crying about yeah, it. Yeah, when did they cry? It was just Rondo, and he's an idiot, and he tweeted a picture of his hotel room. Other than that, all the players have been like, "Yeah, this is great. Like, we're good." But the, again, I was not attempting to make you feel sorry for anyone. I was simply trying to illustrate the point that, like everybody in the pandemic, they are. Dealing with a different set of circumstances than is normal. Period. Um, I mean, look, I can't disagree with any of these tweets. Soldiers should be paid more than athletes. Sure, I agree. Justin and Greenwood. Imagine if teachers were worth as uh, worth or paid as much as basketball players. I mean, all those things are valuable. I mean, nobody's arguing otherwise. Are teachers underpaid? Of course they are. Are soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines underpaid? Of course they are. But you know what it is? Market-driven. And I'm a big market economics guy. Kind of big on capitalism. Yeah. 
going back to the Houston Nut press conference at the Ford Center when the lady from NPR said, you know, she was she was doing the agenda thing about a football coach making more than a biology teacher. And Houston Nutt handled it about as well. Eh, that's not really for me to get into one way or another. What he should have said was, well, when 65,000 people show up for a biology lab, then they probably ought to pay the biology teacher that as well. Yep. Didn't say it. Smart for him that he didn't. But that's the reality. Everybody's dealing with different circumstances today. It's the only point I was making. Now, Major League Baseball. I said just a second ago, Rob Manfred just tripped on his own shoelaces again. Did you watch any of the Dodgers and the Astros last night? Joe Kelly, noted fireballer and dude with an attitude, buzzed the tower, actually buzzed behind the tower with Alex Bregman. Then he went up and in on Yuli Gurriel a couple of times and then went up and in on Carlos Correa before striking him out and then mouthing off to him going off the field. Major League Baseball has announced that Joe Kelly has been suspended for eight games. They referred to Kelly's past history with intentional throwing the fastball that buzzed Alex Bregman and his taunting of Carlos Correa. Arash Markazi, who writes at the LA Times, good tweet, man. Real good tweet. A reminder that no Astros players were suspended for their part in the 2017 sign-stealing scandal that robbed the Dodgers of the World Series. But Joe Kelly for going the vigilante justice route, causing the benches to clear, even though no punches were thrown. Got Dusty Baker good and hot under the collar. He is now suspended for eight games for throwing in the general direction of a guy but not actually hitting him. For throwing in the general direction of Bregman, Guriel, and Correa, but not actually hitting them. Suspended for eight games. Mm-hmm. By the way, the eight-game suspension for Joe Kelly in a 60-game season is the equivalent of a 22-game suspension in a regular 162-game season. And he didn't even hit anybody. I know he's wild, but look, he's a major league pitcher. If he had wanted to hit Alex Bregman in the small of the back, he could have done it. But he didn't. And he got an eight-game suspension. And Dave Roberts got a game as well. We'll set that aside for a second. Unbelievable. Rob Manfred, good. I've kind of given him the benefit of the doubt. Never do that. Come on, man. And if this is Joe Torrey's doing, time to go find something else to do, Joe Torrey. Bill Bender joins us right now from the Sporting News. Bill, in, I don't know, we've been doing this four and a half months now, however long it's been. I, this may be the most fun I've had on a radio show in, in a good solid three months. It's the first time where I've like dreaded breaks in the show because we got a lot of stuff going on all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, you got some things to talk about. I mean, and sounds like you're a Dodgers fan or something, man. I'm a I'm a Padres fan, so they can, they can do without Joe Kelly for eight games. You shouldn't talk back to the. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally joking. But yeah, eight games is way too much. Hey, hey, Dad, feel free. Bill is 100% correct as a Giants fan. I totally agree with Bill on this one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then, of course, you know, this afternoon we got a little conference-by-conference breakdown to talk about. At least one of them made their scheduling uh, decisions. You know, if they can get them in at that time, it would be great. But uh, very interesting developments in the ACC, obviously. 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And by the way, Bill, I'm a Yankees fan. We do things the right way in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, next question. <laughs> next question. Um, yeah, so the ACC announces. I was a little surprised that that announcement came out today. I, I kind of thought that the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 were working, if not in concert, at least in you know cooperation. I don't know that that idea is necessarily out the window, but looks like these some of these rivalry games are now out the window. Could be, yeah, and you know, I mean, obviously, well, they're doing a plus one model, so I mean, some of them will get in there, I think, and we'll see what the SEC is going to do. I mean, obviously, I read Wilson's report about how they're moving towards the conference only thing, and the ACC is leaving room for a plus one. I mean, obviously, the big development today is did you guys print out the uh, Notre Dame ACC champion shirts yet? I mean, I, I think we can pre-order those. Me being a Catholic school kid of twelve years. All right, so so Notre Dame, um, their road schedule is no big deal. The home schedule, they get Clemson. That's probably the only loss that you point. I mean, North Carolina, maybe we'll see what it looks like, but you know, one or two losses at most in terms of conference games for Notre Dame. So you think that pits them with Clemson in the ACC championship game? I mean, that's that's what makes it that much more interesting. Is now we get to see how this plays out for Notre Dame. You know, what if they do win the ACC? What does that mean? And that's kind of what I'm working on now for us. Is, you know, imagine the trigger effects if you come in, win a conference, snag a playoff berth. What's the ACC going to want from you next? And I think that's very interesting development within the conference and uh, with it within their schedule. You mentioned North Carolina and Clemson; those are the two big games. Those would be. Uh, if Notre Dame's not in the ACC, that would probably be my pick for the conference championship game. But now you have Ian Book, Trevor Lawrence, and uh, Sam Howell in the same conference, slinging it along a little bit. And to me, not to mention to Eric King now at Miami. And Derek King, yeah. I mean, so he got named the starter this week as well, which isn't a surprise. So I think it's good. I do believe they uh, lumped in an extra Florida State game at Notre Dame. Unless I missed that. Um, no, you're you're right. The home schedule for Notre Dame is Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Louisville, and Syracuse in no particular order. Well, and they're giving up some of that in NBC TV money. They got to share that now, and I think that's fair, and that's a big reason why this happened, obviously. But I have always been a proponent of Notre Dame being in a schedule in a conference, anyway. Um, you know, being from Big Ten country, I've always wanted it to be in the Big Ten, and it's always been kind of that, you know barstool argument in this part of the country where we go back and forth with Notre Dame fans about that, but uh, I, I think it's a really interesting development and if they win the conference it would be very cool to see what the trigger effects of that will be. Do, do you think that there could be some sort of an uh, uprising is not the right word, but you get where I'm going among Notre Dame stakeholders who go, you know what, we valued our independence for a really long time but, man, being in a conference was awesome. That was fantastic. And, sure, we'll still play Southern Cal, and we'll still play Stanford every year, and we'll still play one of the service academies, and, boom, there's your schedule. Well, I think they should. If The ACC, the more I think about it, you know, is kind of the ideal system to be in a conference. And it's pretty basketball. And like you said, I mean, the, comp, the schedule is never really that overwhelming because the ACC doesn't have – Let's be honest, they don't have the amount of programs that that really push all in on football quite like the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, 
it, it would allow them to continue to play USC and, like you said, Navy, and then pick another game and you're good. I mean, most of Notre Dame's Big Ten rivalries have gone by the wayside. They don't play Ohio State every year. They stopped playing Michigan on a regular basis. They stopped playing Michigan State. So why not, you know, work with the ACC and continue to do it? Clemson-Notre Dame is going to be a lot of fun this year. For the first time they play in South Bend and maybe even the second time. Certainly uh, certainly could be the case. When you look at this thing in the SEC, uh, you mentioned a second ago Ross Dellinger's report that uh, athletics directors agreed today on a 10-game schedule. Presidents are expected to vote on it tomorrow. We'll wait and see if that turns out to be actually the case. But the idea of just going to 10 games conference only, I, I assume that means you would rework the entire schedule. Uh, what, what stands out to you about that possibility, about that idea? I think the SEC and the Big Ten schedule will be remarkably similar and how they set their formats up because those are the two conferences that pull in the most revenue. It's always made sense to me. I've kind of joked with you guys in the past about how the SEC and the Big Ten are actually just cousins. We just we just like our uh, biscuits and cornbread a little bit differently, I suppose. But um, I, I'm a cornbread guy myself, which is weird oh. being a northerner. But, uh, um, you know, I, I'm getting what I'm getting at is I think it will be very similar how that both conferences format their schedule because they're kind of the two that drive the bus they are and this whole thing is fascinating does this feel like positive momentum to you or was this just something that had to happen because of where we are on the calendar i think we're where we're at on the calendar it's it's positive momentum i mean obviously they've filled in some bye weeks i'm still not convinced we're going to start on time just looking at the numbers and seeing the large oh no no not at all I mean, when you see the spikes that we're seeing in states like Texas and Florida, it makes me skeptical that we're going to start on time. But at least they have a schedule built in. Yeah, you can slide those games back in a bye week. and Maybe we can start. I think Dan Wilkin, um, I've been in agreement with this the whole way through. I've always thought, practically speaking, an early October start makes the most sense, and you try to play nine or ten games from there. Yeah, I mean, you kind of lost me at Dan Wolken. Uh, I, I just kind of <laughs> put up a wall there. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you, though. And and here's my thing. So the ACC announces, what, the 12th will be the first football Saturday. If the SEC is going to go 10 games only, my guess is that their first weekend will be September 19th and that they'll still have a couple of built-in open dates. And then if they've got to add a week to the regular season and play the – conference championship game mid-December instead of early December, they'll do it. That makes sense. I, 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 September 19th is another good date if they start to ramp up these fall camps and, and able to get them in, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the uh, kind of that kind of date. So, um, yeah, we'll see if they uh, they get it started on time, and uh, and then we'll go from there. But, but, again, you know, September 19th or October 3rd, your date is interesting from the standpoint that, okay, if they start on September 19th, it does leave that more wiggle room for the bye weeks. Whereas if they start on October 3rd, you'd be married pretty much to, you got to play nine week, nine or ten weeks in a row, and then we'll try to play a conference championship game, which the other yeah. interesting thing there from the ACC, Richard, is um, they may push those back to the 19th. So that does give us a window, but we're still at the mercy of this pandemic. So we got to get these numbers down in the meantime. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that front. What was the reaction in uh, in Big Ten country, especially where you are, uh, to the announcement from Ohio State that 20% capacity is what they're going with? 
And it's the least it stands. I mean, we're, we're watching baseball games in empty stadiums right now, and it's kind of tough to watch an Indians game on TV when they, they don't have anybody there. Um, so, I mean, 20% is better than none. I'm still wondering what they're going to do with the press, um, if we're even going to be allowed in the press box at this point. And, you know, that's something you kind of think about selfishly. But, yeah, I mean, and I've been in Ohio Stadium. That's still going to be tough to pull off with 20,000 people in there and trying to keep people six feet apart. Yeah, it uh, it certainly will be. Is there a cardboard cutout of uh, Bill Bender or Bill Bender's uh, children in Petco? <laughs> I went, no, you know, my son's an Indian fan, like his mom. I, 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 always, I always tell people I'm weird because I grew up a huge Tony Gwynn fan because I was a lefty. And uh, so I kind of <laughs> stuck with the Padres through a lot of thin seasons. But, um, hey, man, they're 4-1. They're coming for your Giants, your Dodgers. Anybody else? wants a piece uh, maybe the 60 game season gets Padres off the snide finally they've made some they made some nice moves in the offseason got a nice young core and are you on board with the brown and mustard <laughs> I, I love the brown uniforms man I love the orange brown and they, they, they've got some ugly uniforms but you know what sometimes ugly can be different and ugly can be beautiful and I, I always like those ones you're the best Bill we'll talk to you again soon hey you guys are too thanks so much for having me on What a newsy Wednesday afternoon. Appreciate Bill Bender joining uh, joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Go to that website, favorites.com. It's really easy. You type in your zip code. So for me, you go there and you type in 38655, and then you click submit, and it asks if you want a quote for home insurance or if you want a quote for auto insurance, or if you want to bundle those coverages, which means get your home insurance and your auto insurance from Mississippi Farm Bureau. And when you do that, you get what is called a multi-line discount, which means you save money. And if you have multiple vehicles that you put on there, you save more money. And the really cool thing is you are dealing with local people, people that you know, people that uh, you go to church with, or you see at the ballparks, or maybe you see... Uh, at a football tailgate. Remember those? It's people you already know. They've got your best interest at heart as well. Mississippi Farm Bureau, that is why we tell you to go with the home team. Um, Carol Scarcella died. You shouldn't know her. Have you seen <laughs> I this? Know the story. I saw the story, yeah. Borky, her obituary. Oh, I was going to save that. If, if, if it made it to Monday, that was going to be one of my winners. But, yeah, go ahead. All, all the normal stuff in her obituary. Beloved mother, named her children, who she was predeceased by. And then the obituary in the newspaper, it said five things about Carol that you need to know. Number one, she loved to read. Her favorite author was Stephen King. She had a private library of hundreds of books. Number two, she loved to smoke. She smoked millions of cigarettes. Number three, she loves slot machines and Facebook games. She never won millions, but she had the biggest farm in all of Farmville and made it to the millionth level on Candy Crush. Number four, she was an avid sports fan. She loved the New York Yankees and LeBron James. She hated Tom Brady. And number five, when her children were growing up, she was involved with their school PTA, coached their sports teams, and volunteered through Lackawanna Little Leagues. She was a mother, father, coach, mentor, and friend. Private funeral services were held with blah, blah, blah. 
She loved cigarettes and smoked about a million of them. That's not what stands in, out, though. Rest in peace, Carol Scarcella of Lackawanna, New York. <laughs> she died doing what she loved. Hating she Tom love Brady good with all her heart. People take obituaries so seriously. I write them, rewrite them, proofread them, write them again, have a couple of different family members, maybe some, somebody outside the family, look at it and see if you missed anything. Just tell it like it was. Yeah. This was Brian Haydad. He loved a few things. The Bulldogs, his family, and, Lillian and Stouffer's Axe. lasagna. Mine was better. What did you say? And Lillian Axe. I'm like giggly fun today. Like, like it's not it's not Christmas Eve yet, and maybe it's because there's just been nothing. But it feels like college football's coming. This is a good. This was a good day for for college football. Yes, sir. Even those of us who are out of the loop. Ceasefire text line, you guys are pipe dreaming if you think college football is really going to happen this fall. Not happening. Borky asked this uh, gentleman or gentlewoman, want to bet? Don't need to bet. Obviously, you guys are just out of the loop. Out of the loop, huh? I have a feeling that there is a loop that at least one person of this show is on that you don't have access to. That That's just my guess. I mean, you could be Keith Carter texting, and I'll double-check the number, but I have a feeling there's at least one that knows a little bit more about really the college. funny if that was Keith That would be hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I have a feeling that somebody on this show may know more than you do. That That would just be my guess. I'm not talking about myself. I know nothing. Well, no, it's him. If he, if he says, I'll take your bet, you can have a skybox at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium. It's probably him then. Yeah. Walter in Houston. Hey, Richard, speaking of game press, if y'all need some help at the games, I'm your guy. <laughs> Double-checked, not Keith Carter, so we're in the clear. Also not John Cohen, in the clear there as well. I knew it wasn't check- Cohen. So. You double check the cell numbers? Double check the cell numbers. Neither one of those yeah. guys. I know Cohen's mm. number, so yeah. Bummer. Don't, don't have Jeremy McLean's number, but the area code does not match that of Hattiesburg, so I don't think it's him either. <laughs> Look, I realize I throw some crazy stuff out there, but within some of the crazy stuff, there's some pretty informed educated insight that is is couched in that. So, just saying. Take it as you will. We're just here to entertain. We'll be right back. Stupid, or written a stupid opinion piece yet about why the ACC uh, hates America and is endangering the lives of children worldwide for putting out a football schedule? No, but he just called you a jerk. Yeah, well, he's, he, was, he just tweeted it.
Did he? No, I missed him. I just wanted to see what you'd do. That'd be that'd be great. Be a reminder that I'm <laughs> living rent free in his head. It would be great because it would it would give you the ability to just fire back and you'd be totally justified. Yeah. If you just did it out of the blue, it'd be like it would look weird. Yeah. Um. Mm. I don't know. Look, man, I I think Dan Wolken is a guy that should inspire confidence for pretty much every living, breathing American that has a dream to do anything in life. Because if that guy can get and retain a job as the lead college football writer for USA Today, regardless of the form that it's currently in, then who am I to tell my kids they can't be president one day? Who am I to tell LeBron James that he can't be the starting center for the Dallas Cowboys if he's so inclined? He's a good athlete. Probably too tall Who am for I position, to tell but... Brian Haydad that he can't win Miss America? Well, it is 2020. Yeah. I am beautiful. And, and so, I mean... in reality, we probably should all, on a daily basis, be thanking Dan Wolken for the confidence that he is, on a daily basis, inspiring the American youth, that they can truly achieve anything regardless of whether or not they're any good at what they want to actually do. So thank you, Dan Woken. Thank you. Feels like Am I making like you guys old... uncomfortable? It, should, it feels like you want to do like all those old Bud Light commercials for real men of genius. I... <laughs> Today we salute you, Mr. Woke Sports Writer Guy. Mr. Woke Real Sports Writer Guy. Tell me why I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm against having a football season. <laughs> uh, oh, me. I do love the sports writers trying to convince everybody that, no, we don't want football. No, we're not rooting in favor of the virus, and maybe they're not. Like There are a lot of them that I think truly do want football to happen, but there's something deep down in them inside that would love to do the I told you so song and dance and directly related to who's in office of the presidency. No, they're not rooting for college football to get canceled. Like one guy in particular at AL.com. I don't believe he's actually rooting for college football season to get canceled. But I know that he has got a burning desire deep down inside to say, Ha ha, I told you so, Trump's dumb. I, they, and he's not the only one. They're scattered around the country. They don't want sports to end, but they want to do the finger pointing, I told you so, I was right for being miserable, you were wrong, ha ha. They have a desire to do that. And, and they're campaign to convince everybody that we don't want it to happen is all the more reason to believe that that's exactly what they're feeling inside. Real man of genius. <laughs> I hadn't thought about those in a long time. It just it just, it just occurred to me, the way you were that going is, there. Well done. Well yeah. done. Uh, C Spire text line 601-879-4395. You want to be part of the conversation? We would love to hear from you. 
four three nine five. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to C Spire Fiber. It's gigabit internet and see what real internet looks like. No data caps, no long term contracts, no cancellation fees. Learn more at cspire.com slash fiber. Time right now for the college football fix. Gone a day and he can't find the button. We're gonna hear that song. We're gonna hear it. I can feel yes, it. Yes, we are. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. 43 straight years, the F-150 best-selling truck in America. Do yourself a favor. Get behind the wheel of one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Going to call an audible on the uh, college football fix. Kind of a cool story about a former Stanford running back who is now a biotech CEO uh, taking the idea of a literal bubble and turning it, I'm sorry, a figurative bubble and turning it into a literal bubble. Uh, we'll hold that for now because if you missed this earlier, what a uh, what a big announcement that came from the ACC a little over an hour ago. The Atlantic Coast Conference announced a 10-plus-1 scheduling model for the 2020 college football season. Here are the high points. First games will take place uh, Saturday, September 12th. Scheduling model includes 11 games, 10 of them conference games, one non-conference game. All non-conference game opponents selected by their respective school must be played in the home state of the ACC institution. Home state, not home stadium, and all non-conference opponents must meet the medical protocol requirements as agreed upon by the ACC. The 11 games will be played over at least 13 weeks. There will be one division, which is actually there will be no divisions. There will be one conference as Brian Haydad so astutely pointed out earlier today. Because to have a division, you have to divide one into some multiple. It's or science. some multiple into one. You understand what I mean. Right. Notre Dame will play a 10-game conference schedule and be eligible to complete in the 20, uh, compete in the 2020 ACC football championship game, all television revenue for 2020, including Notre Dame's money from NBC... Will be shared equally by the 15 institutions. I'm sorry, what? What? How much is that? How much did they just add to the pot right there? I don't know. Probably. Well, isn't it 20, a financial 30, not loser, 20, 30 million. but detriment for Notre Dame to have that contract? Like, let's say they would join the Big Ten or the ACC, that their TV revenue generated would increase pretty substantially by not having let's that contract. Here. I don't think you can necessarily find the terms of that publicly. I know at one point they signed a long-term deal that was like ten million bucks a year in TV fees, and when that number came out, everybody in the world was like, oh, 10 it's, 50, million it's fifteen million a year, fifteen million a year. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's for that's for. I mean, it's fifteen million for for one school. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. I understand that, but that's up. half what the SEC and Big Ten schools get. More, less than half. But remember. Notre Dame yeah. also gets a share of basketball television revenue from the ACC. It probably comes close to equaling out. Yeah. But I think there's a prestige factor that's involved for them as well. But but long story short, they just added, what, another million and some change to the pot per school. So that's yeah. good news. You talk, in, a, in a time where school, schools are canceling sports for financial reasons, a million dollars could save a program. Is this so the end news. of Notre Dame's independence? I say it is. That's hot take me on that one. I say that it is. So you're going to have a conference with 15 teams? Well, or, I mean, we, might, we might get to go back down the road again with them, you know? Or, or, uh, 
Yeah. Go to 16? Yeah. Go to 16. I'm sure there's some, somebody like wouldn't mind getting on board. I know there's a program in the state of Ohio that could compete at that kind of a level if given the necessary resources. I was Cincinnati? thinking of one in the state. I was thinking of one in the state of Tennessee. Cincinnati, Memphis. I think Cincinnati's probably facility and campus-wise and stuff is more equipped to be a Power 5 program than Memphis is. Memphis in the ACC? Come on, man. I'm just saying. They, they, well, I mean, they I'm sure I just made offer. somebody mad by saying that. But come on. Oh, yeah. they, they'd jump on the offer. But well, You think? I'm just saying. Why? Is Memphis somehow a worse draw than, you know, Boston Wake College. Forest? I mean... You know, Wake Forest is only Wake Forest is like the Vanderbilt of the the conference over there. Not in terms of academics, in terms of yes, the Memphis still would not in. be that. Right. They're, the only reason they're still in is because they've always been in. Memphis hmm. offers quite a bit. You know, good good basketball I mean, for a basketball conference. Memphis to get in there that's something interesting. Would Memphis's fan base grow if they went to the ACC? <sighs> I don't know. Because at some point you got to have real crowds at football games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you're playing, and you got to do it without, you know, giving away a, a six pack of tickets for, you know, fifteen dollars. Do like a buy one get one free at Kroger's. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point you've got to actually sell tickets and get donations that go with seats and have a functional stadium and all those things. Right. Yeah, I'm Team Cincinnati. They just renovated their stadium. Cincinnati's too. a good nice. choice got, too. Got no good question. infrastructure. It's a Central good Florida. State. Were you just going to leave them out? Central oh, Florida. Yeah. What am I thinking? Yeah. But they're already in the state of Florida. I wonder if that impacts them. I mean, it's still a big market. Tampa. I'm sorry, Orlando. <laughs> ACC championship game will be either December 12th or December 19th in Charlotte. All 15 teams will continue to be part of the ACC's bowl selection process, meaning Notre Dame could be eligible for the Orange Bowl. And the week-by-week schedule and television selections will be released in the future. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Uh, so Andy Staples has got this thing going on on Twitter. Tell me, tell me if you're buying this. He tweets, so here's the deal with the SEC-ACC thing. The ACC can always lop off the non-conference game if the SEC decides to go conference only. But everyone will know who backed out, and there are four SEC schools that probably would rather not deal with the local political fallout. What do you think? It's funny. Uh, earlier today for the Thunder and Lightning podcast, we're previewing South Carolina, so I interviewed uh, David Cloninger, who covers the Gamecocks for, uh, for the Charleston uh, Post and Courier. And I, the last question I asked was, hey, South Carolina plays Clemson this year. What, what percentage would you give it? He said 100 he said, he said that game will get played, no matter what they have to do. They'll get that'll get played. So you know, as always, well, it won't the, get the played if the SEC is, goes to a ten-game schedule. With all due respect, Mr. Klein. Well, I did, I didn't have that information at the time. So, yeah. What are we talking local political fallout? I mean, I, in South Carolina, that's how it would look. It would look like the SEC is scared to play the ACC opponent. But otherwise, I mean, what what are we talking here? Well, 
And I'm I mean, sorry, who cares what it looks like this year? And also, getting rid of Clemson, it's not like South Carolina would add Coastal Carolina instead of Clemson. The likelihood that the game against Clemson goes away and they have to go to Tuscaloosa or something like that. I mean, it's not like they're avoiding Clemson to play a nobody. They're avoiding Clemson to play somebody from the freaking SEC West. It's not like it'd be a cakewalk in replacement. You were saying, Mister Haydad? I, you know, I think there will be some, some. I, I agree that who cares in this the particular situation, but there there will be some some lawmakers who Clemson lawmakers who will take South Carolina lawmakers to task for not getting that game played. And now I don't think I think that's the only state that Louisville, Kentucky, maybe Georgia, Georgia Tech, eh, Florida, Florida State, eh, they don't they don't you know th- th- those won't be as big a deal. I don't think. I think it's a simplicity of scheduling thing. It's not about, oh, you're going to back out of Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State, and the others. It's if we do a plus one, then we've got to figure out how to make it work for Ole Miss and Mississippi State and for Auburn and for Texas A&M and Missouri and LSU and whoever else I'm forgetting. Kentucky, and now Kentucky's got one. I don't know if I named them all or not, but you get what I'm saying. Arkansas. It's just a lot of moving parts that you don't necessarily have to deal with in a year that has plenty of moving parts on its own. I mean, isn't this ultimately just about simplifying things? And maybe, maybe, just maybe mitigating a little bit of risk? Maybe. And even if it's just one game, I mean, if there is some kind of, let's say, an outbreak hits LSU, because Lord knows you can get some stuff in Baton Rouge, uh, and you have to sell them Michael for Borky two weeks. Who said that? Uh, but I've never stayed in Baton Rouge in my life. Um, but I know people from down there. Anyway, it, it allows you to only have to work with yourselves it, even if it's just one game in the ACC, if LSU has to be sidelined for two weeks or whatever, you have to move one of their games to the end of the year, you don't have to call the ACC and say, hey, look, we got to move this game to where South Carolina was supposed to play LSU. Instead, that game has to be at the end of the season when they were supposed to play Clemson, but now that game can't happen. You just eliminate that. Even though you could probably work it out, the fewer variables, the better in a situation like this. It, I guess that's what they're thinking. I'd love to see the rivalry games, but if they think that it would mitigate an opportunity to screw things up, then get rid of them. Former Ole Miss pitcher Lance Lynn threw two outings this season, 12 innings, 17 strikeouts, three hits, no runs allowed. It's like the uh, Texas Rangers uniform is fitting him quite nicely. Just as an aside. Bork, you better hope that uh, Quinn didn't hear what you said about Baton Rouge and LSU. <laughs> He'd probably that laugh. Guy. I'd say the same thing about New Orleans, too, a city that I love. Dennis Dodd trying to contradict Ross Dellinger on Twitter. Source, SEC considering at least three scheduling models, two plus ones, and a conference only. I wonder if his source was Sports Talk Mississippi. Only if he's lucky. Because I'm pretty sure that's what 
I, we have been telling you since at least Friday of last week, the SEC is looking at 8 plus 1, 10 plus 1, and a conference-only model. Source. Me. Staples makes a good point, you know, in terms of, like, if you vote, if this went to a vote, I mean, don't you think that if, if Scott Strickland wanted that to happen, that Greg Byrne and John Cohen will back him up and give him two votes over there? So, I mean, if those four schools plus state and Alabama vote to do it, all you got to do is get two more. Probably not that hard. Maybe. Yeah. I think one of the things that, I almost think the votes are ceremonial. You know, if those are actually happening in terms of, hey, let's vote for it. I think let's talk about it. Let's work through all the different scenarios. And now let's have a quote-unquote vote in which we can talk about unanimity. I don't, I don't know that for a fact. But I think the conference is big on putting forward a unified front. Um... Ross Tellinger points out the next two games in the rotations, as we've talked about for uh, a few weeks. Mississippi State's next two in their Eastern Division rotations would be Vanderbilt and Georgia. Correct. Ole Miss's next two in the rotation would be Tennessee and Kentucky. If you were given the option... And it was, you take these two games or we'll reshuffle the deck and give you two more. You take both of these or all four of them running, don't you? Ooh, I think State would state would take a, a risk to not get Georgia. Even though you, know, you get a guaranteed Vanderbilt. win I mean, in Vanderbilt, basically? I mean, I, you get that, but I mean, when you, what if you get lucky and you get South Carolina and Missouri? Yeah. You know, somebody, well, they already have Missouri, but you see what I'm getting at. You love South Carolina. Big things I, coming from Muschamp's team this year. On, on a, on a, I, I, we were talking. I'll go back to that interview I did, uh, you know, and, and David Clunger said, "Look, and it's, he's not on a hot seat this year because there are no hot seats. That's what that was our point. But you know, unless something really weird happens, if the SEC goes to a ten-game schedule and South Carolina picks up, they get Auburn and Arkansas, so they probably beat Arkansas and they'll probably beat Vanderbilt, and they don't play anybody else, and they go two and eight. They could fire him. They're not going two and eight. Who are they beating? They'll slip up and beat somebody. They'll beat Missouri. Maybe. 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 I don't know. I mean, Missouri would be a maybe. Kentucky would be a maybe. Ah, Kentucky's not a maybe. Texas a and M could be a maybe. That's not a maybe to me. That's Those are both losses. Those aren't tosses. Well, I, know, I mean, I agree that they're probably losses, but it's not like that's Alabama. That's true. He's recruited okay. I mean, it... He gets overshadowed in a state where Clemson's recruiting top five classes every year, but he's perpetually in the top 20. I mean, that's not winning a title or anything, but the talent acquisition has not exactly been his issue there. But he also has Mike Bobo calling plays this year, so. Um, We'll get into this next. The MHSAA has released their guidelines for football this fall. And it includes wearing masks, under a helmet. Is that what we're talking about here, Borky? I think that's for fans. Oh. 
That's a big difference. Yeah. I thought we were saying that football players under their football helmets had to wear a mask. No. Some of them will, though, especially when it gets cold. I, I saw the NFL that, that under the visor mask that they showed, uh, it will be optional for the players. So they can wear it, but they, they don't have to. Christian McCaffrey was photographed trying it out. Um, so some guys are looking at it, but they decided that that would be an optional uh, thing afforded to them. Did you guys see that the Greenville School District said no football? Yep. What are we doing, man? What are we doing? Very surprising. What are you doing? And and why today? Yesterday? Why make that decision? Yeah. Now, in fairness, we're getting close to the start of school. In August tenth, in the Corinth started school on Monday of this week. Yeah, they've gone to the the year round year round model. Yeah. Which I've been on the national news this week, too. Yeah. I, I don't dislike that model. I'm not saying it's 100% the way to go, but it's really kind of cool when you look at it. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. We'll look at the MHSAA guidelines next. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. What a week and a half ago we got the announcement from the MHSAA that all fall sports would be pushed back two weeks. So start of practices back a couple of weeks, start of games back a couple of weeks, which takes you to, what is it, September 7th? No, that's not right. It was the September, 4th. September 4th would be the first high school football Friday of the season. Today, I guess it was earlier today, the MHSAA released their guidelines for football this fall. Not an exhaustive list, and there might be additional steps in each community to help prevent the spread of Rona. Even when taking all precautions, there will still be risk of transmitting illness. Everyone should stay vigilant about the health of members and their teams. These guidelines are to be integrated with the National Federation Guidelines and the MHSAA Sports Medicine Guidelines. Stadiums and gyms. Attendance policy and quarantine procedure will be determined before team competition begins and at the appropriate time. There will be signs posted to point out social distancing inside and outside the facility. If you do not have a mask, you will not be allowed to enter. All game day personnel involved in the athletic event should be screened prior to working the event. That includes, but is not limited to, talking football, chain crew, officials, athletic trainers, timers, judges, scorers, ball boys, girls, etc. It says screening, it does not say testing. That probably means temperature checks. And answering the five questions that you have to answer right now before you go into a restaurant. You Schools will be required to have hand sanitizing stations. On-duty personnel must wear masks and and or gloves. It just says masks slash gloves. Uh, any auxiliary persons, ticket takers, concession workers, security, and whatnot should be screened prior to working an event. Uh, any auxiliary participant who experiences any symptoms of COVID should follow CDC and MDH guidelines 
before being allowed to work an event. A restroom attendant must have masks and gloves. Concession stand workers must have masks and gloves. you got to create a plan for line management and concession stands. Establish a plan for proper food preparation. Use single-serve condiment packets. Only the clock operator and PA announcer in the press box. wonder if that'll be the situation for college. Well, radio crew sit in the fifth row. You get some real natural sound that way. <laughs> well, no the press, public address know. announcer will be required to broadcast social distancing reminders. Schools must restrict pedestrian flow in common areas, and they Good must create media guidelines and communicate these prior to and at each event. I got a question. Okay. What high schools have restroom attendance like it's a gentleman's club? What's going on there? Maybe it's a new thing. <laughs> Go in there, they got somebody, they got like the selection of cologne and all that, the breath mints. Dressing room policies. Dressing rooms must be sanitized before and after. The size of the facility should be large enough to social distance. You know what that says to me? A lot of kids getting dressed in the gym. We're about to have either gymnasiums or outdoor locker rooms. Yeah. We had a Tents with sides games. on them. No, nobody's got that kind of locker room space at high school. Nobody. Not, not, not even South Panola, I don't think. We had a couple road games my senior year. Played at a 4A, which is the biggest in South Carolina. Uh, we had to get dressed on the baseball field in the dugouts because they didn't have a visitor's locker room that would accommodate us. Hmm. So You'll see some yeah. folks get creative with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of like you know a five eighteen that or six eighteen that rolls in with a hundred players. I mean, there might be enough locker room space for everybody in the locker room. There's certainly not going to be enough for social distancing. Yeah, yeah. Of course, those groups will also have traveled in together. So I mean, talking about yeah. hanging with the same people, uh, time spent in the dressing room for home and away team should not be excessive. Which is subjective, I suppose. Uh, band and spirit teams. Bands will travel to away games at the discretion of school administration. The band must wait until both teams exit the field at halftime before entering. Cheer teams spaced on sidelines for social distancing. Dance teams will be spaced on the sidelines for social distancing. And there will be no visiting before or after the game or at halftime between schools. A lot of times the cheerleaders will go... Visit with the other cheer squad. These groups should always remain separate from game participants and remain away from the fans or non-group members. Officials. Post schools should provide contest officials an area to enter and exit separate from fans when possible. They should be provided a dressing room and meeting area that has been cleaned and disinfected prior to their arrival that provides for appropriate spacing between individuals. I wasn't kidding a second ago when I said um, that uh, you might have some tent setups. Like if you got a practice field close to the tent, you might bring in a bunch of tents and put sides on them and spread chairs out in them. Do a lot of high schools have practice fields? I thought so. Okay. No? Again, I'm not, not familiar with these practices. Okay. 
Uh, the official's table should be limited to essential personnel, which includes the home team scorer, timer with a recommended distance of three to six feet between individuals. That sounds more like basketball than football. Yeah. Officials should have their own labeled beverage container, and these should be brought onto the field or court for their use during timeouts. Got a message from a uh, friend of mine that says, it would appear to me that based on press box restrictions, it will be hard to do video streaming at the games. That and That's radio a big deal for some too. schools. I mean, if they don't let yeah. the radio crew in the booth, where are you going to set up your equipment? Well, I mean, it may be a deal where you have the main press box and then you've got separate radio booths in some places, but in some places you don't have that. Yeah. So, again, but going back time, to my tent proposal... You may be setting tents up in the bleachers. Yeah, but say if you're gonna have to set up for social distancing, you can rope off an area and say this is this is your press and radio broadcast network area. I would think that the video streams would be important because clearly we're talking about smaller attendance numbers than you've had in the past. And there's some advertising dollars tied up in those too, probably. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. Um Digital ticket sales. These are the venue restrictions from the MHSAA. Got to comply with CDC, MDH, and local health agencies' best practices. Team bench areas should be arranged so access is for team personnel only. Bench areas should accommodate proper physical distancing and use other mitigation methods such as facial coverings when necessary. Revise the team drop-off and pick-off procedures to allow for social distancing. Eliminate team walks through fan zones. Use GoFan.co for digital ticket sales. Establish designated parking areas for team buses and equipment trucks. Discourage congregating in parking lots before and after the event. Address social distancing with tailgating. Host schools should communicate prior to an event local restrictions to the visiting team, officials, media, and fans. Communication between member schools should also include information regarding parking, concessions, locker rooms, ticketing, payment methods, etc. New guidelines on school website and social media throughout the season and reassess current policies for inclement weather during an event. They covered a lot in here. I mean, there's transportation, there's the actual contest, mitigation strategies. There is a lot here. I mean, this is, <coughs> excuse me, this is the manual for hosting football games this fall in the state of Mississippi. Local school system and school administration may determine the safest way to travel to and from contests when physical distance cannot be maintained, facial coverings are suggested, assigned seating is suggested. And you might go from taking two or three school buses to taking four, five, six school buses just to get your team in and out. This honestly, to me, it just reads like a lot of schools aren't going to play. There's a lot of money in this. This is a big deal here. MHSAA bylaws allow non-traditional students read those going through virtual learning to participate in athletics if they have met all other eligibility requirements. Local school systems may have more restrictive guidelines. 
When a school campus is opened or closed, regardless of instructional model, in the event any contest is not played during the regular season, the game will be forfeited by the team whose school is not participating, and the other team will be awarded a win. In this case, no fines or forfeitures will be assessed. If a school is not able to participate in a contest, the local school principal must notify the executive director of the MHSAA in writing. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.